Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. Still going through this series, Threads in Genesis, and I believe tonight is week 12 in it. We've just been having to stop on various occasions and address other topics, and then we get back to this, but Genesis 27 is where we're at, and, and I was actually looking at the calendar. We're going to have a few weeks off again because of children's program, candlelight service, Christmas, New Year's, and, and so might try to expedite the process through Genesis once the new year starts. But tonight, the new thread that I want us to look at is the thread of blessing. The thread of blessing. It's a thread woven through the book of Genesis, obviously into the Old Testament, the New Testament, and into Revelation, where in Revelation 22... The new heavens and the new earth are displayed, and God says there is nothing accursed anymore. And so, this concept of being blessed instead of being cursed is all the way from Genesis 1, when God blesses Adam and Eve, all the way to the very last chapter, where nothing is ever to be cursed. Everything is only blessing. And so it's just a thread through the whole book, and I would even say that it's particularly concentrated in the book of Genesis as well, this concept of blessing. Well, I wanted to pick up on it. Obviously, we could have picked up on it in Genesis 1, whenever God blesses Adam and Eve, and He blesses multiple people from then up until Genesis 27, but... I figured this is a good a spot as any to stop and look at this thread and pull on it from both directions. This chapter is where Isaac blesses Jacob that he would be the father of many nations. Right? He is the one that comes from Isaac, who comes from Abraham, who received the original blessing from God. And so this is when Jacob who's later called Israel, receives that blessing. It's a big chapter. But if you know the story and how he gets that blessing, it's a pretty crazy story. It's an interesting one, to say the least. It, uh, it comes through deception and trickery and um, ends up leading to uh, quite a family division or rift. I mean, I, 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 have, I have had issues with my siblings before, right? I think in one particular time, I remember, my brother only, that I can remember, punched me one time in the face. Uh, we were standing in the kitchen. My sister and I were arguing. I think it was about emptying the dishwasher and who had the top and who had the bottom, right? It always starts really big stuff like that, right? Um, who was going to empty the cups or the plates. And so um, I think that's what we were arguing about. I don't remember what, but I was just yelling and yelling and yelling. I was a good kid. And I remember my brother, just to get me to stop yelling, just punched me right in the nose. And I was just shocked. Like, what did you just do to me? <laughs> and it just brings tears to your eyes, no matter if you're tough or not, right? And so, and um, 
I don't remember how old I was. I couldn't have been too old because he set me up on the counter and immediately was apologizing. I'm so sorry. I don't know what came over me. You just wouldn't stop talking. And <laughs> I mean, that's about the extent of the kind of sibling rivalry that I have coming into this text. But from what happens in Genesis 27, where we're about to read, I mean, from then on, Jacob was terrified for many years that his brother was going to kill him if he saw him. Right, And so there was a lot of tension because of what takes place in Genesis 27. What we see is God's blessing is put on Jacob, which means that it continues on into the people of Israel, which means the blessing is put on King David, which then leads to the blessing being put on King Jesus, which means the blessing continues on and impacts you and I. Genesis 27 a massive impact on God's blessing throughout the nations. And it all starts with deception and trickery. Which, before we get into the concept of blessing, and just a short side note, I think there's a great encouragement in that. That God uses broken things to still bring about good things. Right? What happens in Genesis 27 is unethical. It's evil. It's wrong. It's deceptive. And yet God still uses the, to lead into the blessing of Israel, which would lead to Christ, which would lead to your and I's salvation. God uses broken things for good. He uses broken people, you and I, to reach the nations. Thank God that He would let us join in on that mission. And he uses broken situations, such as this one, to accomplish his plan, right? And that's chiefly shown in salvation. God's plan was that he would have paradise with you and I. The garden. That was the plan. That was the good plan. And yet sin enters. And when sin enters, everything falls apart. And God could have just given up on us. Counted it as a loss because of a broken situation. But he doesn't, does he? he? He sends Christ so he could still have paradise with his people one day. Thank God that he, even though he's perfect, he still is willing to use broken things, such as you and I and the situations we find ourselves in. Genesis 27 is certainly one of those broken situations. I want to start the story by reading the first 13 verses. It sets the scene. It doesn't get to the blessing yet, but it sets the scene for it. And so let me read Genesis 27, starting in verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 13. This is what the Word of God says. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and he said to him, my son. And Esau answered, Here I am. And he said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke this to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. 
bring me game and prepare me deli- uh, to, and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare for them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. Verse 13, his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go. Bring them to me. I'll stop there for a second. So, we see here that Isaac plans to bless his older son. They're twins, but Esau came out first. His older son Esau. He was going to bless Esau. And if we just read this in context, if we just read this chapter 27 and that was it by itself, we wouldn't think there's any issue with that. He just wants to bless his older son. But you have to read this in the context of the chapters before, and if you do, you'll see Isaac's just like all the others before him. He ignores God, and he just wants to follow himself. See, Adam, he ignored God, wanted to follow what he and Eve wanted, right? God told him to eat anything he wanted except for one fruit, and what did they do? Adam and Eve decided that it would be good to eat that one fruit. Abraham, God says that he and Sarah would have a child together in their old age and God would make it happen. But Abraham and Sarah decided that it would be good for Abraham to go ahead and sleep with Hagar. They ignored God and followed their own instincts or plan. Isaac here does the same thing. God says that the older one, Esau, would serve the younger one, Jacob. In chapter 25, this is chapter 27. In 25, God said that. We can look in that at chapter 25, verse 23. The Lord said to Rebekah, two nations are in your womb. This is still when she's pregnant. And He says, the two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. You see, this was God's plan. How it was going to happen? Unknown at that point, he hadn't told Rebecca how it would happen per se. But that was the plan. And yet we get here to chapter 27 and Isaac ignores God and he wants to pass on the blessing to his favorite son, Esau. I don't know about you. Have you ever wanted to ignore what God says? Just because something in your gut so that I just, I'm just not, I don't know if I want to think about doing that. I want to do something else. I think in all of our moments of weakness or sinfulness, I think we all have those temptations to want to ignore the clear voice of God, the clear word of God, and go with what we want. That's what Isaac's doing. But Rebekah wanted Jacob to receive the blessing instead. 
the younger one. Rebecca wanted that. And she was right in the younger one needing to receive the blessing, not the older one. That's what God would say. But she fought by, for it by the means of deception. There's a lesson in there that you can do the wrong thing with good intentions, but it doesn't make it good. You can do something with good intentions, but if how you go about it is ungodly, it doesn't make it good. It's really interesting, verse 13. Did you notice that? Jacob's nervous. He says, I, I don't want to because I don't want this curse to be put on me. Right? I don't want to do what's wrong. It's clearly wrong that what we're going to do. I don't want to be cursed for it. And she says, don't worry about that. The curse will be put on me. And of course, not knowing, I think she gives us an imperfect, certainly an imperfect, picture of Christ. How he takes the curse of sin upon himself, right? Curse on a tree. Christ would be the perfect Rebecca, that he would take the curse upon himself, the curse that we deserve, and he would take it so that we wouldn't, so that we could receive the blessing. Thank God for that. So they go along with this plan that they have come up with. And so Jacob, after going and hunting the game, giving it to Rebecca, she prepares it, get him all robed up with animal skins, and Jacob approaches his father to receive the blessing. Let's pick up in verse 22. Verse 22. So Jacob went near to, his, near to Isaac, his father, who felt him, and he said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, but his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he, so he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I might eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine. And he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and he kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments. And he blessed him. And he said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's son, sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. We'll stop there. That was the blessing. What, what is a blessing? What, what is, if we're just to come up with this concept, what is a blessing? It's a very churchy word, isn't it? Blessing? I mean, we say a blessing before, me, before a meal, right? We bless people when they sneeze, 
God bless you. When something good happens, we say that it was a a blessing. It was a real blessing in my life. And we speak it over somebody whenever we part ways. God bless you. What what is this concept of a blessing? Well, generally, I think it's connected to this happiness, to goodwill. But I think in this particular blessing, and then also if you were just to look at blessings that are spoken out throughout the book of Genesis, there's really two components that I find, and I'd like to work through them a little bit with you. Firstly, this concept of favor. A blessing is a bestowing upon somebody favor. Think about what is blessing and how it's bestowing upon somebody favor. And what I mean by favor is, is preference over others or priority over others. That's what I mean by favor. You get favor. Think about when Sarah and I, uh, <laughs> she hates this, but I think it's my charm. I don't know, but we go to, <laughs> we'll, we'll go out to eat to different places. We'll go to Chipotle and, and uh, we go through the line and I don't know, I strike up conversations with people, right? I just do it all the time. When we go to the movie theater where I'm, I'm buying the tickets. How's your day going? You know, and just uh, I see your name tag, and I start talking. I just, I just make conversation, and we're going through the Chipotle line, and I'm just having conversations while they're making me my burrito. And by the end of it, it's happened multiple times. Ask Sarah. And uh, <laughs> they, I say, okay, how much? And they'll say, ah, don't worry about it. You're fine. Just free. And I'm not lying to you. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Oh my goodness, thank you so much. That's so kind of you. And then Sarah comes up. Clearly, we're together. I'm holding her hand, and, and she'll walk up, and she's like, thank you so much. I'm like, no problem, 1050. And uh, <laughs> ask Sarah, it's happened. And um, I don't know, <laughs> however much it is. I don't know how much it costs. But that's what I mean by, by this favor or, or preference over priority over there's this concept of favor in being blessed and then the second component is fruitfulness being fruitful being fruitful I asked Sarah I was like okay help me out in trying to explain what I mean by fruitfulness Sarah helps me with sermon illustrations and applications and and uh well what I mean by fruitful is just abundance is in your life abundance and uh, I said, oh, that one's easy. She mentioned two things. Terry Gentry's uh, apple tree and Jeff Ellis's garden. <laughs> She's like, just say that and they'll understand what you mean by fruitful <laughs> and uh, in abundance. So that's what, that's what I'm talking about here is favor and fruitfulness in what you have. It seems to be the two components when you go through the book of Genesis and you see blessings. Let me walk through blessings very quickly and you might see what I'm talking about here. The first blessing is that of Adam and Eve, Genesis 1.28. It says, God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful 
and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So this concept of being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth is fruitfulness. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. There's this concept of favor, of dominion, of, of being over. Fruitfulness and favor. And actually that particular phrase, be fruitful and multiply, is repeated multiple times uh, in the blessing on Noah, Genesis 9, be fruitful and multiply. It's like the new Adam. And also in Ishmael, be fruitful and multiply. The second blessing that we see kind of this fruitful and favor concept is when God blesses Abraham in Genesis 12. He says, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. That's favor. You know, of all the nations in the world, His nation, His name will be great. It's favor. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's fruitful. It's fruitfulness. If we jump past Jacob's blessing in 27 real quick and you go towards the end of the book in Genesis 39, you see the situation that's going on with Joseph. After he's sold into slavery, he goes and he goes to Potiphar's house and he's serving him. This is what we read in Genesis 39 verse 4. So Joseph found favor in the sight of his master and he made Joseph overseer his house and put him in charge of all that he had. So he's over everything. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. So you see this concept of just being over everything, this dominion like Adam had, this favor. And then if you continue on, you can see the fruitfulness. It says the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had. Everything that they touched, it just was blessed in the house and in the field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. So he had favor over everything, and he was fruitful with everything he touched. And of course, it's true if we go back now to Genesis 27. These two components are at work in Jacob's blessing as well. Isaac says to Jacob, May God give you of the dew of the heavens and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. He's speaking fruitfulness over him. And then verse 29, Let people serve you and the nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. You see these concepts of both fruitfulness and favor I think they help us understand what blessing is. But, okay, let's stop now. Is it only material flourishing then? Is it only material gain and fruitfulness? Is it only favor within the world? In the Old Testament, it looks that way a lot of the time at least. Oftentimes, in the Old Testament, we see that God's blessing 
or favor on somebody is made evident by that person's material gain and flourishing. Solomon's a perfect example, isn't he? He's seen as blessed, and that word blessed is used multiple times in 1 Kings 10 when the queen of Sheba comes and visits him and sees all that he has. He's blessed. And we see that in more than one example. I'll give you two. Psalm 128, verse 5. It says, The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Is blessing only material? Psalm 37 is another example. 37.22 For those who bless, for those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by Him shall be cut off. It seems a lot of the time in the Old Testament the, the blessing that is favor amongst the nations and fruitfulness with what you have, blessing just looks to be very materialistic. But then Jesus comes on the scene. And he seems to flip that upside down. We see in the New Testament that Jesus actually is the source of the greatest blessing you could ever have in your life. Ephesians 1, verse 3, we read that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So we're not talking earthly blessing anymore. We're talking heavenly blessing and every blessing that could be found in the heavenly places. We can have it in Christ. Christ is the source of the greatest blessing that we could ever have. This means that in Jesus we can be abundantly fruitful. If we're going to carry over the concepts from Genesis, what blessing is. In Christ, then, we can find the most fruitfulness we could ever have and the most favor we could ever have. If the greatest blessing we could ever have is in Christ. How's that possible, though? Consider who Jesus is. Right? Just remember, who is Jesus? He was a Nazarite. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. He's a Nazarite. Not a popular person. Not a popular place. He was the son of a woodworker. Typically poor. He was born in a manger. Right? And that's free lodging. So when you think about that, being a Nazarite, son of a woodworker, born in a manger, if fruitfulness was just material, Jesus wasn't very fruitful, was He? In the world's eyes, Jesus wasn't very fruitful. We'd say in the world's eyes, He wasn't doing much better when it comes to being, having favor. He was crucified because people hated Him so much. And yet, in Christ, we can be abundantly fruitful and have abundance of favor. It's because He changes how we are fruitful and who we have favor with. How we 
are made fruitful in who He will give us favor with. See, He makes us fruitful not with money and land. Jesus didn't die on the cross. I hope you know that. To give you money and land and material things. In fact, you can have absolutely no money and still be blessed. Luke 6, verse 20, indicates that to us. I think I've got it there. Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said to his disciples, Blessed are you who are poor. I thought blessing was material gain and fruitfulness and abundance of having a lot of land and a lot of things. And he says, Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor. So fruitful in what way? Abundance in what way? He died that we would have an abundance and a fruitfulness of God. With God. And all that we would ever need. And he flips favor upside down as well. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could have favor with other people. In fact, you can have a tremendously difficult life and still be blessed in Jesus. Matthew 5.20, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Well, hold on, I thought, faith, I, I thought blessing meant that you, could have, you, that you would have priority and preference over all the people and all the lands and all the nations. And he says, no, 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 blessed are those who are persecuted and hated and killed. Because the favor he gives us isn't favor with man, but he died on the cross so that we would have favor with God. And don't we always want favor with man, right? Remember whenever I had to do a licensure uh, with the Assemblies of God before I came here, um, I had to go and sit before a board of pastors in the region, and I was so scared. <laughs> you have to answer questions about theology and, and all these different things, and um, really, really anxious. Like, what if, what if I don't pass it? What if they don't like me? What if, what if, what if, what if, right? I walk in not knowing who is going to be asking me questions or what kind of questions they're going to ask me. I sit down, sweating bullets, so anxious. And the people walk in that were going to be the board that would question me and decide if I was going to be a licensed minister or not. And the center seat, the chair of the board, sat my pastor that I grew up underneath. I had no idea. I had no idea that he was going to be the leader of the conversations. He happened to be a presbyter in northern Missouri. I didn't even know that. I hadn't been under his teaching for a few years because I went off to college. But there he sat, and I had favor. He, he loved me, and he still does, and I just, he's just a great man. But you, we want favor with people, right? But Jesus doesn't promise that. Jesus doesn't promise that. In Christ, we get a better favor. Far more abundance of favor, and that is with God. You see, for Christians, fruitful doesn't mean material gain. And favor doesn't mean an easy life. Or being liked. 
A quote that I got from a commentator was that people who are truly blessed, just get this, people who are truly blessed have much outwardly to be pitied for. But in a greater way, they are the ones to be envied and congratulated. So I hope you are blessed tonight. I hope you're blessed tonight. And I don't mean that you would be fruitful with having all the materials that you possibly could want, all the land you could own, but that you'd be fruitful and have an abundance of far more precious things than money and land. You'd be fruitful with mercy. You'd have an abundance of grace, of love, an abundance of peace in your life, an abundance of joy in your life, an abundance of hope in your life. It's only possible in Jesus. Jesus is the means of the greatest blessing you can ever have. So I hope you're blessed tonight. You're fruitful. And I hope you have favor. Not necessarily with the world. Jesus didn't but favor with God. That's only found in Christ. Jesus Christ is the source of the blessing that you and, all, you and I all need. The greatest blessing one could ever have. And so we're actually going to be singing, I think, the final song um, as a benedicting song. Um, the blessing. And it's just pronouncing a blessing on your life, on my life. So I just pray those words speak to you as you sing them, as you think about them. Would you be blessed in Christ abundantly? Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com.